Hi, everybody. Welcome to Great Questions, Great Conversations. I'm the host, Mike Westendorf. Uh, this is a ministry that comes out of St. Paul's and the Bridge in Muskego, Wisconsin, where we talk about some of the topics, questions that have been asked to us. And you never quite know where the conversation is going to go, but uh, we're going to bring God's Word into uh, what we're going to talk about here today. And our guest is Pastor Brad Snyder. And uh, Brad, you're, you have a, your fingers in a number of different things. We're going to be talking more specifically about some of the uh, sexualization of our culture, the challenges of uh, and and the realities of pornography, and how we deal with this in our in our world today. But uh, before we dive into the topic, if you could kind of just introduce yourself to all of our viewers and listeners, and love to get to know you a little bit more. Certainly, thanks for having me, Mike. Uh, as you said, I'm Pastor Brad Snyder. I serve a congregation in Boise and Nampa, Idaho. Uh, the congregation is Cross of Christ. I'm the Christian education pastor, so I focus on education from womb to tomb. Uh, it is a lot of work with with teens and young people, but not uh, not exclusively so. I'm also the chairman of Conquerors Through Christ, so a Wells ministry uh, battling against pornography and impulsive, unwanted sexual behavior. Yeah, and and this is a uh, this is a hey, great to have you here. Um, We've been talking a lot on the podcast about a number of different topics, particularly you know a bit more theological, and we've been moving to a little bit more practical uh, application. And so I think that today is going to be a really good mix of the two of these things. Um, maybe just talk for those people who don't know what Conquerors Through Christ is. You know, when I went to the website, and you and I had had a conversation at Awaken Alive last year that was was brief but very helpful. But you had had resist, reject, recover is Conquerors Through Christ exists to help people resist, reject, recover. I think you had said you wanted to add one more. Um, but uh, you want to talk just a little bit about that ministry, a little history or resources, things sure. like that quick? Yeah. Uh, so Conquerors Through Christ is 11 years old, I think. I've been with the group six of those 11 years and started you know, 11 years ago uh, to help called workers struggling with pornography mm-hmm. and just a, a recognition of that need led to some people getting together saying, what can we do? Um, and quickly expanded to uh, just be a ministry available to um anyone right um, struggling with pornography and we've intentionally kept it specific to that scope right like um not not really addressing other sexual sins there's there's a wide gamut of this but we're focusing on this um like i said impulsive unwanted sexual behavior um we try to be proactive with some christian sex education uh that is the resist um like don't even go there and then reject is if you're in the mess of it, if you feel like this thing has control over you, um, here's you know resources to talk like just be real about the wreckage, uh, recognize like this is not good, uh, and help to kind of you know refocus and get out. Uh, and then recovers for couples whose relationship has been impacted. And then yeah, the fourth that we we've added uh, isn't as clear on the website is rejoice. Um, and so as we get to rejoice, we're going to just talk more about. Uh, not only sex is good, which we do in the resist uh, with with sex education, a gift from God, uh, but also talk really about like 
what what does that what does sex is good mean for someone who's single? Um, there's not enough content on that out there, oh. and uh, we hope to provide that soon. We're uh, we're working on some recover stuff now, so rejoice is next. Okay, well, I'm I'm grateful that you guys are doing the work that you're doing because you said, like you said, um, there is a, there is not a lot. Of of content to be able to help us. In fact, one of the questions that we'll get to is going to be, how do you, you know, if if you're a single person, what do you do instead? You know, so but we'll get there. I want to start first with um, why is it that in the church, a place where the grace of God is is freely given, forgiveness is here. We know that when people struggle with temptation on their own. Uh, oftentimes it leads to failure. Like you need an us to resist this stuff well, to even get the safe place to ask the questions rather than going out and finding, you know, illicit answers someplace else. Why is it in the church so difficult, in your opinion, for us to to talk about this topic? A great question. Uh, and I, I, I don't know that I'm an expert on it by any means. Um, I think that that's something that I still struggle to kind of grasp, um, particularly because I often find myself far more comfortable, right? Just talking about sexual issues and, and, and topics um, than, than most people are. And, and so then sometimes that means like, personally, I'm confused. Like, why can't we talk about this? Yeah. Uh, whether we're talking about sex as a good gift from God, or we're talking about sexual sins that are bad. Um, there's just so much taboo culturally around it. Um and I really don't think it's it's a scripture based thing, right? I mean, there's there's God talks about it, and I think it's interesting when you when you take a look at what does the Bible say about sex, and if you really just line up, like, kind of just like pull like it it vast majority of the time, very positive, very very good things, and song of songs goes a long way in in being able to say that. Um, but you know, even even Paul, when talking about it, talks about it as something that that is to be protected. Um, mm-hmm. something that is not to be misused and therefore, you know, a good thing. Um, so yeah, I think it's a cultural thing, um, that maybe this hidden unknown American piety or like that is private. That is, uh, you don't, you don't talk about that, you know, for sex to be private is good, but for this to be such a, a common, uh, issue and struggle, um, why, why can we not be more, more comfortable talking about it? And, you know, like it's, as a Lutheran, like looking at what, what Luther said uh, a lot of times, and I don't see the same culture there, right? Where like you know your your vices, your opportunities for sexual vice were were prostitutes, and that was very known um, and was not encouraged, uh, but it was was known where they are. Um, yet more more interesting to me is uh, like Luther's consummation of his marriage was witnessed, um, like that 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 was culturally normal. Like on really? night, someone, yes, Justice Jonas was the one that witnessed uh, Luther and Katie on their wedding night. Um, so just like so far from anything we would consider appropriate. And yet culturally, that was normal for them. Um, and so like if that's the cultural norm, um, I think that kind of gives insight into like what conversations are going on. Uh, you take a look at like letters that Luther wrote to friends. Um there was there's one I don't remember which friend he wrote to, but he said, "When you get this letter on this night, have sex with your wife. I'll do the same. I'll be thinking about you. You can be thinking about me." Um, in a, I think a very godly, sanctified way. 
of you've got this, this gift that God has given that you enjoy with your wife. I do too. And we're going to talk about it. Um, and in a culture of, you know, like for the Catholics to say, you can't marry, you know, you, you need, you need to be for, you know, promised into the celibacy. Oh, sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I think for them to, to have that and come out of that uh, and still be able to openly talk about it. Um, I, like how, how did, how are we missing it? Right? How can you talk about it so openly where our culture is very sexually open in activity, but not in conversation. And if it is in conversation, it is, uh, it's cheap. Right. The conversation just makes sex cheap. Uh, it is the, the punchline of a joke. It is is a trophy for an immature guy. Uh, like what is the, you know, the way that sex is talked about when it's talked about. And, and then that way. Right. So like if that's the way that our culture talks about sex, then it, then, a, then a sanctified Christian is going to look at that and say, I don't want to be a part of it. I don't want to have conversations about sex. Uh, whereas I think like level up that that level of sanctification. And say I want to have conversations about it. I'm just going to level up the conversation. I'm going to talk about God's gifts as good things. Um, and I think that's particularly difficult to do if you've never seen it done. Um, you know, continually see studies show like how many of you had meaningful conversations about sex with your parents Yeah. and studies show like 3%. Um, and so, yeah, uh, I mean, that's, that's how we can begin to change, have the conversations, model the conversations. Uh, you know, it's something you said in a couple of things that I was, I did made me move, but the, the one that hit me most was this idea of redeeming yeah, that that's God's Jesus, Jesus coming to earth, the transformation of us from enemy to friend from not part of the family to part of the family, he, you know, that the, the gospel transforms us. And so you, that you see this, we always talk about the redemptive work. Um, and then the sanctified, you know, sanctification, you know, part of what we're doing is bringing that life giving gospel, but also the way of life. You know, I, I do love, uh, we both know Kent reader, you know, uh, he, he'd kind of talked about the 10 commandments can also be see, seen as the 10 permissions, you know, as, as an alternate, you know, understand that God is protecting something good. That's the purpose of the 10 commandments. But within the, that, he is setting the boundary lines for what is beautiful and life-giving. So he's saying, don't do this, but do do this. You know, even even in the sixth commandment, you know, don't do this, but do do this is the Im- implication. But we're not always very good of it, good at it. And so if we lack, if if the culture has has again you know satan has twisted it we have twisted it into something that is cheap i like the way that what you, you said it the part of the the opportunity that exists for the christian in leveling up is redeeming it and and redeeming the conversation by making it more about what god makes it about so i'm curious when you know, we there are some parents who are listening on uh, in on this, but when is the opportunity in your mind to be able to do that? Um, to start having that conversation, maybe at home or even a church context. Is it is it safe in our day and age to talk about it in a youth setting? Um, you, you know, certainly our our young adults. We've done a number of Bible studies on this topic, but when when in your opinion, let's talk family first, since that's kind of where you're part of where your sweet spot is when does this conversation 
a redemptive conversation about sex fit in? Yeah, I think ideally it starts before any other kind of conversation about sex starts. Um, so if you expect the conversations to start on the school bus or at recess by fifth grade or fourth grade, then I want to be having uh, Christ-filled conversations, uh, redeemed conversations about sex with children before that. Um, and so that context might be different, right? For homeschoolers, then maybe that's maybe that's different. Um, right. And you know, don't assume that the Christian schools are having a different schedule, different timetable. Uh, than the public schools about it. Um, we can hope so, but be proactive. Uh, you know, with Conquerors Through Christ's sex education program, it's called the Parent Support System. And we encourage that it starts at age two with things like differences between boys and girls and privacy, which are pretty normal things. Um, yeah. it's, it's pretty common for parents, yeah, to teach those things at that age. And so we just like to encourage and say, well, guess what? then you've started the process, right? Sex education is a process, not an event. Uh, and you're going to have ooh, lots of ooh. teachable Time out, moments. time out, time out, time out. <laughs> you, I mean, I always look for tweetable yeah. moments or, or I don't even know, know what you call it now that it's not Twitter anymore, but that was a big one. What did you just say? Say that again. Sex education is a process, not an event. Okay. If you are I, waiting for the event, you are causing an awkward moment with your child that they do not want to happen and they cannot get out of quickly enough. Um, okay. Yeah. The That's process huge, starts man. at age two with those those teachings, differences between boys and girls and privacy. And and, and I'd say it's a process that doesn't end, uh, but it starts and it, it it's ongoing. Uh, so it's ongoing when there's a, an inappropriate commercial on. Uh, you know, I, I, I think I've just realized I didn't even check to see if it's true, but I realized this week, I think that CBS must own MTV because um, mm. like we're watching Amazing Race. And there's Jersey Shore commercials with nudity blurred out. Um, you know, it's just so avoidable or unavoidable today. Yeah. And, um, you know, I can encourage my kids. I don't look. Um, Bounce the eyes. Or, right. Yep. Yep. And so I've got my oldest is 10. And I have an eight year old. Uh, bounce the eyes is a phrase that they know, but they also have an exit strategy. We talk through like as if your house was on fire. What's your exit tra- strategy? What are you going to do? Um, because your kids being exposed to things that are not good, um, images, sexual images that are not healthy, um, that's far more likely than your house being on fire. Right? If we, if we recognize, you know, that there's reason to have that kind of conversation, we also need to have, uh, what are you going to do? What are you going to do when, when this happens, when you see something that, that is inappropriate? And so we talk through like, just, you know, bounce your eyes, leave if you can, uh, look away or, or leave the room. And if you're home and I'm home, like tell me right away. If you're if you're somewhere else, tell me as soon as you see me and we're going to talk through, is there a way to avoid this again? Um, and just looking, you know, I, I you asked like when when to have that conversation, uh, you know, and I perhaps the biggest thing is to stop avoiding it. Um, mm. You know, don't don't avoid having the conversation. But when those opportunities come, I don't I don't think you need to. Really put any effort into making the opportunities happen. Right. Yeah, the teachable moments of what is, uh, you know, appropriate and inappropriate, you know, for, for, for Christians sexually, those, those are opportunities are all over. Um, yeah. So just take them, make the most of them. Um, and it doesn't need always, it does. It's not always about, Oh, did you see that bad thing over there? Um, like take your opportunities to talk about something good. Um, I mean, if your kids ask, you know, some questions and you can, you can just be really honest. 
and say something that is that reveals a, a truth about you and your spouse, uh, I say, take it, right? Take that opportunity. Um, you know, sometimes that question might be, why is your door locked? Or, yeah. uh, you know, something like that. Just, you know, you don't, don't hide it, um, right? You can maintain privacy without hiding the, like, just let the, I mean, the issue is common, but you know, let that conversation not be so taboo. Um, if you know, parents, uh, teens, teens need to know that sex is something mom and dad knew, do, not just something that some other kids at school do. Um, that's oh. needed, right? The context of what is sex, where does sex happen, um, for it to be known as something. I think that's that another one that you just said. That's a, that's really good to to pause on, just to make sure that you know we all heard that 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 teenagers need to know that sex is something that mom and dad do not just other teenagers or to your point, you know, movie stars or whoever yeah. we're celebrating in culture. Like if, you know, yeah, if I, you know, I need to know that I've got this resource in my life that I can ask questions about this topic. Like if I want to learn how to play basketball, I should ask someone who's good at basketball. Mm-hmm. If I want to learn about sex, I want to ask someone who's, who's good at sex, who's been doing this for a while. Um, and I, every, every child should be able to see their parents as, as a resource for that. I wouldn't exist if you hadn't done it. So right, right. tell me more. <laughs> that is how that works. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, let me, let me step back a bit. Cause there are two, two questions that, that come to mind. Um, first of all, I, w- I want to tackle, I think the notion of guilt. So, you know, your, your two boys are there, but this happens for all of us, all of us, uh, men and women, um, and again, we're we're speaking, by the way, today primarily about uh, the visual stimulation of pornography or racy images, things of that. You know, how do we com- combat that? But one of the challenges is that that difference between being tempted and gi- and giving over to sin. You know, so uh, what I've noticed for a lot of people is myself included is in the moment I'm tempted, but I feel as though because I was tempted, I've already failed that, that that's sin. So when your boys, the flash is there and they can't bounce their ways quick enough. How do we keep ourselves from falling into that, you know, off that cliff of saying, well, see, you've already sinned. And which is oftentimes followed up by, well, if that's sin, then I might as well get the whole deal out of it, which is way worse. How do you balance temptation where does it cross the line between being tempted and sin in this in this environment, especially since it can pop up on a billboard, on a bus driving by? You know, right. There, there's so much of it that is clearly victimizing people, especially youth. Um, where you know, so like for my boys, I've told them, like, tell me, I'm not going to be mad at you. Um, I will not be mad at you. Like, I know that their first exposure will be something they did not seek out. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is always the case. And yeah, what do you do with that first exposure? Can I then have this first exposure lead to a conversation with someone who can help me? Or did I let this first exposure lead to curiosity that I'm hiding and, and then I'm seeking it out? Um, and, and so try to pre- be proactive in that way, but also let it be filled with grace. Uh, you need to have an expectation that everyone's going to stumble and fall. Um including sexually that Christ, like Christians are sexual sinners mm-hmm. and have the expectation that there will be stumbling and falling and failing and, and don't be shocked. Right. But be ready with grace. 
uh, to say, okay, okay, um, what can we do now? You know, what can we do to uh, try not to have that influence again? Try not to be in that position again. Um, and you know, so when does it go from innocent exposure to temptation? Uh, that's that's a matter of that individual's conscience. Um, and for some, it's it's the same thing, right? Immediately, as soon as there's the one, there's also the other. Uh, but for some, first exposure is only disgust, uh, and and that's beautiful. Um, temptation will come along later. Yep. And I, you know, to be yeah proactive in just having proper expectations uh, and be ready with grace is what we can do to keep it from being this hidden temptation that I'm pursuing on my own. Yeah. I want to know about. Yeah. That's good. You know, uh, you deal with sex education um, and that, you know, within my, within my experience. So, you know, for me, it was that same thing. You know, I didn't, I didn't ask to be exposed to it. Um, uh, Found it in a place that I shouldn't have found it you know, actually chasing down a ball. <laughs> um, and then I had a, you know, there was another one of those scenarios too, that in both of the, my earliest times, I think the first time for me was probably fourth grade, then fifth and then eighth grade, all occasions where I wasn't looking for it. And it was just boom, thrust into life. And there wasn't a, you know, I'm thinking too, that at, at that age, I was probably too, young to really know what to do with it because again you hadn't practiced it like fire drill you, sometimes when the kids are young you'd practice a fire drill that how do you get out of the house but never practiced how do you get out of that scenario we didn't talk about it and of course when i was growing up the internet didn't exist so we're, we're talking about magazines um yeah. and that first exposure though no place to process it it then sits there and lingers and the curiosity grows and one of the things that I have thought about, you know, even as you get older and you get married and you're trying to get better at this thing that we call sex, you know, how does one go about a sanctified education uh, of of this? You know, we were talking off air that it's interesting to me that we have things like school and universities, particularly universities. If you want to learn how to be a meteorologist, which I am, you go to school and you take a series of classes and you pass those classes and you have to test on that to prove that you know it. And then you operate a little bit. You have an internship program and all those kinds of things. Um, obviously, God sets all of this stuff up, but we have mucked it up as we typically do. How does one go about a sanctified sexual education. And, and I want to, you know, you've got, we're, we do have parents with young kids, but I want to talk about the high, to the high school kids. And I want to talk to the young adults and I want to talk to the married people. You know, I wouldn't take like these, these different sections of time if we could segment it that way, because the temptation is always there. And let's face it. If I want to go fix my car, I don't go to the mechanic first. I go to YouTube figure out if I can fix this myself. And there's a whole bunch of videos that show me how to do it, what to look for, what parts I need. Um, and then unfortunately we've done, I think very similar things to sex education. So if you can break it up for me a little bit, we've got kids up to, let's say 13. What's sex education look like there? And then how do we address the questions that teenagers have? And then young adults have, and then married people have, can I do that to you? Yeah. It's a lot, right? So for that first age group, um, 
you just want to own the conversation, right? Guide the conversation. I want my kids to be the ones who know more about sex than anyone else at school. Uh, and I want that knowledge to be something that's, that's godly and biblical. And so we talk about sex as a good thing. Um, and so, you know, hopefully then build this concept of like, you just made sex the, the punchline of a joke. Like I'm uncomfortable with that. Uh, I know something else. I know something better um, for that, for that age group. You said up to 13. And that's when they start to get into a whole lot of pressure. You know, middle school is the new high school as far as, you know, this, this peer pressure of, of sexual activity and, you know, so much of the sexual identity is, is wrapped up in this, um, you know, someone who identifies as, you know, something on the, the spectrum of trans and, and ask them, like, what does that mean? Right. Like, well, like I'm, uh, I'm identifying as bi or, or I'm, or I'm more, maybe more appropriately, I'm identifying as, as queer. Like, you know, what does that mean? It means I'm not interested in being sexually active right now. And my, my friends are all telling me that I'm really weird. Um, and so, you know, like I'm, I'm, what I'm saying is I'm not identifying as someone who wants to have sex. Um, and that is beautiful, right? That's ideal. Uh, and there's so much of that that is outside of my perspective, right? Uh, my expectations. So you get into that age, then, you know, for me, like you said, you know, growing up, the internet wasn't there, you know, by the time, by the time I was finishing high school, it was, mm-hmm. and, you know, my mom had no expectation, like no, no realization, like, Oh, I, that's something I need to be prepared for. That's a, that's a, right. Right. That's a tool. I'm saying, so like I'm going with then parents also st- like, what are my kids facing that I'm not, that I didn't, uh, what are my kids, uh, having as their, their pressure that I never experienced that I'm not realizing is such a big part of their life. Um, and yeah, so open conversations are the only way to know what, what are you dealing with? What are people saying at school? Um, and just like, try to own the conversation and lead it. Don't let those other kids at school who are giving them pressure. Don't let them be the ones who are leading them and teaching them what sex is and what they want from it and what they should expect. Um, you know, go ahead and let people call them queer. If it means that they're weird and don't want to be sexually active and, and, and praise that, right. Good for you. Glory to God. That's ideal. Um, then you get into that, that next age and, and really, you're, you know, like you're just seeing like you're it's, it's waiting. Um, your body is telling you that you have desires and your God is telling you that there is a healthy time, uh, healthy setting for those desires to be acted upon. And you can go ahead and listen to those desires. But for now, those desires are saying you'd, you'd like to be sexually active. You'd like to be married. Um, and just then you're talking through what are the benefits of that? Uh, what, what is the beauty of that? What is the point of that? And for married people, then, like, how do you uh, now that I'm free? Um, mm-hmm. And then that can be a really difficult transition, transition, especially in Christian culture. If, if we've if we set up this this concept of, of sex is, is dirty, then the wedding night is very difficult. And the early years of, of married, married sexual activity are, are very difficult. Um, so we try to avoid that, right, with conversations being proactive, looking ahead to this. Uh, but still, difficult to flip the switch, right? It's like, okay, now we can, and no guilt, no shame. Uh, and there, you just need a lot of communication that spouses need to be willing. Hopefully, it's been modeled for them right, by parents, and now spouses can talk to each other. What do you like? Um, what do you want? Let's okay. talk to each other. And God has, has set the brain uh, in an awesome way, 
right? For those neural pathways, right? So the desires are there, but the specifics and what experience I long for, those pathways are opened up by experiences. So your first sexual experience is something the brain is then conditioned to, to have a desire for forever. And if that first sexual experience is with the spouse, then that spouse is the one you desire, that that's the one you crave and that's the one you long for uh, in your experience with that person. Mm. Uh, and so, yeah, so then you're, you know, before that, you're telling people, like, wait for that. Um, you know, and, you know, so often that first experience is one that, that is, I think essentially victimized, whether you're victimized by pornography, you're victimized by abuse, you're victimized by, um, you know, peer pressure and giving in to try to make someone love you as a, as a teen or young adult. Um, and, and then that, yeah, then we kind of get stuck. Brain gets kind of stuck in that way because there's this beautiful design to desire the one you have the experience with. Yeah. Uh, I like, and I appreciate that the communication piece, that's, that's the, that's the critical thing. I mean, to understand, you know, that men and women do, you know, and, and again, you, 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 these days, you kind of have to realize that there's a spectrum of all of this, you know, there always has been, we've typically talked about this as binary, uh, which is, I think part of the reason why we are in the situation that we're in today. I won't go into all of that, but, um, but, but yeah, but in general, um, women are are in need of belonging safety um being loved to be able to open up and so to be pursued men to be patient to be w- willing to pursue to understand uh you know that part of intimacy but so much of that is communication that and and I like what you just said I mean so married people if you're listening on this you have permission to say I don't like this, or I like when you touch here, or I like when we do this, or when we talk before, or I'm more relaxed when this happens. And if those are all God-pleasing things, then that's the conversation that you want to have if you want to take your sex life to the next level, i.e., you know, leveling up, like you said. If that's, you're trying to understand how to do this better and be better for each other, communication is the critical thing. And an honesty about what it is that you need and what you desire. You know, men, it's been said, men are like microwaves and women are like ovens that need to be preheated. And, uh, you know, so often people say, a key to a good marriage is good communication. Like, well, yeah, in the bedroom too. Yeah, uh, right. Like, be sure. And 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 to see sex as, as it is, an opportunity to serve, uh, to uniquely, personally serve another, to be selfless. And so if I'm if I'm seeking to serve someone, it'd be foolish to not ask, like, what do you like? What do you want? Um, and two people mutually seeking to serve each other selflessly, putting the interests of the other. Um, that's that's when it's beautiful. That can't happen. That can't happen without communication. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. What does it take to be comfortable with that? Well, the background that you were raised in is going to be a big factor. And how comfortable are you talking about this openly with your spouse? Um if the, if you grew up in a household where sex is talked about as good and yet also talked about openly, well, then you're more likely to be able to continue that with a spouse. And if that's a spouse you need to model that for, then you need to be patient and help them catch up with that comfort level. Um, but, you know, sometimes I had a conversation one time with some friends at a marriage retreat and, you know, most of the people there were older and, and there were just three of us couples who I think were under the age of 40 and, and the rest were all over 50. And there was kind of this gap in between. And, um, and, and one one person said, you know, just kind of jealous, like express some kind of jealousy of 
non-Christian conversations about sex that just get to you know talk so openly and casually. And why can't we do that? And I said, well, well, then let's do it. Like, give me an example. What are you talking about? And it was mentioned like an episode of Friends where there was a conversation amongst everybody. And then we said, well, okay, then let's take it. Let's sanctify that conversation. Three married couples here. Let's have the same conversation. And uh, you know, so the, the the comfort level though with people is is going to differ even within spouses. Like I know, uh, like I said, I'm, I find myself to be more comfortable than most. I also need to respect my wife and what is she comfortable with me saying. Um, not that I'm looking to share details, um, right. but yeah, be open, be honest, communicate. All right. So, so that I and these are these are all good things. So if you if you're like that went by really fast, just push pause, rewind, and go listen again. But I want to make a move here because we are talking about some ideals and we're not in the world of ideals. Many, many families don't have a mom and dad where children are growing up, where they see their biological mother and father um, loving each other in that way. Uh, Rather, they're seeing a biological mother with a uh, second father, you know, and they're seeing that piece of thing. So that can be uh, challenging. Um, we don't live in a culture, in a Christian culture, a church culture in which this is, um, and so, you know, it is, is something that's even modeled. Like most of us don't have this modeling. I, I'm fortunate enough that my mom and dad didn't talk about a lot of these things, but they, they, <laughs> they recently celebrated their 50th anniversary. And I asked, I asked them two questions that I asked. One was, you know, how, how do you keep forgiving each other for 50 years? And my mom had made the comment, when you take divorce off the table, you know, it forces you to ask the question, how can we learn to live with Im- the imperfections of one another? That was great. But then I asked them, 50 years, what do you count as your greatest blessings? And my parents had an interesting way of saying basically the same thing. My mom said, well, you kids. And my dad. My dad just went, sex sure helped us get through a lot of fights. And, but that was the family that I grew up with that my, my dad wasn't, uh, a f- and my mom and dad weren't afraid to kiss in front of us. My mom and dad, you know, weren't afraid to s- smack each other on the butt and flirt with each other in front of us. My mom and dad weren't afraid to say, could you go to a different room? <laughs> you know? So I, I grew up with it being like n- not inf- inferred, inferred that this was good. And as imperfect as my mom and dad were, they're still married celebrating 50 years. And they did talk about the power of that sexual intimacy in their marriage to desire one another that way and to be able to serve one another in that way. And so I was able to to get that. Now, what I want to do, Brad, is I want to move it to how can we help in these not perfect situations? Are we in a place where in the church we need to start because it doesn't exist in many cases. So we just need to start talking about it. How do we handle the divorced situation? You know, how how do we help kids um, who are, you know, parents who are remarried, you know, how do we help them um, help their kids uh, or their blended families wrestle with sexuality when there is these 
difficulties. Do you have any thoughts on on? Sure, I think uh, I mean that sounds like an awesome, uh, beautiful uh, example and rare example, right? That, that you shared about your parents. Uh, I think that kind of stuff sounds. Uh, it's great. Right? If that you've they, never heard those... of a model, my my mom and dad, the story I just told you yeah. can be a model. And they were yeah. not, they'll both say we weren't perfect. We didn't come from a perfect family, didn't raise perfect kids. Um, but they 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 were willing to talk about and and display that. So if that can be a oh, well that if that's all that is, yeah. there you go. You have a stop. And it was uh, ongoing and it was casual. Um, yeah, it's just and just like part of a lifestyle that we don't need to hide from our kids. Um, now that like, awesome. Now I had a single mom. I was raised by a single mom. Um, she was pregnant with me at 15. And, uh, so not, you know, not, I mean, thanks for pointing it out. Right. Cause we have been talking like it's, it's two married guys with kids. Uh, but right. So often that that's not the scenario that that's not the case. Uh, I think the concepts remain. Um, so the, your teachable moments, the opportunities that you'll have, the conversations that will come up through questions will be different questions. Well, then you'll have different answers um, because or different conversations because the questions will be different uh, depending on the setting, depending on what, what is the family structure. Uh, but the concepts are, are the same. Like, don't don't hide. Don't shy away from those those conversations. Be honest. So yeah. for me, go ahead. If I can jump in there, then one of the, as I'm thinking this, then this is really for those of you who are 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 coming from a remarriage situation that this is a dealing with sexuality in a Christian family is a really important thing, and b you as husband and wife now with a blended family need to talk about how you're going to talk about this. Is that fair? Yeah, and do not pretend that you haven't made mistakes. You cannot, yeah. you cannot, you cannot exemplify grace. You cannot have your kids expecting that you will show them grace if they don't see you living in it. If they don't see you, you know, saying that you've been shown grace, that you're living in grace. Um, I think our kids are going to be far more likely to share their failures, to share their mistakes, to share their temptations. If we've modeled it, if we've done the same. Yeah. I had that growing up, like, you know, I, it was the the beauty of the setting that I grew up in. My mom couldn't hide it. So why bother? Yeah. Um, and, you know, and then she, she got married when I was five. She got divorced when I was 10. Uh, so there's more, more conversations and, and have them. And, and, and so for some parents, those conversations will be you. Uh, you can talk about you in an honest way um, and be able to say things like, do what I say, not what I do without being a hypocrite, right? Like learn from my mistakes um, mm-hmm. in, a, in not an arrogant, because I said so kind of way, but like learn from my mistakes in ways that I wish I had. Don't right. just repeat my mistakes. Um, and for some parents, it'll be you. For some, it won't. It'll, you might need to just talk openly and lovingly and humbly about a loved one. Maybe it's an aunt and uncle, and a cousin, friend, neighbor, right? Mm. Like these these things are all over and, and the kids are seeing them. Kids are wondering about them and take those opportunities. Take those. Those are two more teachable moments uh, to just be honest and, and treat those people with grace and treat God's truth and God's design and God's intention as, as something that's, that's paramount. And we're still going to strive for this. We don't, we don't water it down. We don't set it aside. We don't say it doesn't matter. Um, but we say people make mistakes and we love those people. Yeah. And God loves those people. Um, and God's what God has said is best for us is still best. And so we still strive for that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and, and if, yeah, if that's the mindset, no matter what the setting, no matter what the, the marital status of the parents, 
Uh, another one is uh, deceased, right? Oh, uh, yeah, 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 right. Opportunity, uh, what, what is it that you miss, right? That companionship, yeah. that intimacy. Um, yeah. That's, that's, I'm so grateful that we're having this conversation. Um, I want to talk, uh, because I, I asked a friend of mine for, uh, what's the question? I'm talking with Brad. We're going to be talking about pornography, sexuality. Um, uh, one of the things that we are fighting against in our world is, um, I like to put it this way, that the world says sex is your right or or better yet your orgasm is your right because you know we're talking about masturbation we're talking about um you know hooking up uh, hookup culture sleeping around all that kind of stuff um and so the world in pop culture has said your orgasm is your right and god says um sex is for marriage you know, you, you don't have, that's not a right. <laughs> it's a gift. And that's a big difference. World says it's a right. God says it's not a right. It's a gift. And it's a gift that comes with boundaries and responsibilities in order for it to be the beautiful thing that it really is. Um, yet we're in, in the world that we're living in right now, we talk about the loneliness epidemic that is happening among all generations, but specifically in in Gen Z and the younger generation. And the issue that comes from visual stimulation, um, overwhelmingly for men, uh, young men and boys, yes, but also growing number for women, uh, the issue with respect to masturbation. And so a friend had asked me, as a young person, what are we supposed to do instead? And so I, I'm, I'm, I need to find the proverb that I was going to throw out, but I'm, I'm curious as you have been wrestling with this in the resist, reject, recover, uh, rejoice ideas. How do you answer, you know, the young person who is saying, I, I, the world says I'm entitled to this release. Somehow God makes it not. Um, medical uh, science will show you what happens to you in your brain and the chemistry and the biology of what happens when you masturbate to an image. Uh, it's not good, uh, ultimately, just like the Bible said so. But what do you tell a young person who's saying, what do we do instead? Okay, a lot there. Uh, one of the big things to recognize is the difference between sexual activity and intimacy. Um, and in, in recognizing the difference between the two, then be able to pursue the two as as separate things. Okay, can um, you? So I think that that's important for you to set up. Were you going to go there? Can you do that? What's the difference between the two? So one is you know satisfying the cravings of the flesh, uh, right? Letting your your body and its desires be master over you, right? If um, if you're pursuing just sexual desires, um, and and in a way that you do not have control of, right? Uh, sexual activity is a means to intimacy. But and, and you said like sex is a gift. It's a good gift, um, a good gift that can be misused and misusing yeah. it for selfish reasons is always bad. Like I said, like, you know, for, for a married couple to be pursuing selflessly, um, selfish sex, se- selfish sexual activity, always bad. And it and it it is without intimacy. Um, right. So you can have intimacy without sex. 
You can have sex without intimacy. Together, they're beautiful. Um, intimacy without sex is also beautiful. Sex without intimacy is not. Um, and you can you can thrive without sex. Jesus did. Yeah. You cannot thrive without intimacy. Yes. Uh, according to God's design for people. Um, so recognize that what I'm pursuing, like I may have these desires and there is a God pleasing way to pursue them. But in the meantime, I can also pursue intimacy, which will always be the most fulfilling part of sex. Yes. I can, yeah. I can find that now without sex. Um, but, Oh, I, I just, man, dude, that was so good. I just wanted to pause there for just a moment. <laughs> you realize what you just said. I mean, I, there's so many young adults that that I work with. That have expressed, and we've seen it in the conferences, in, in in the community groups, their deep desire is for intimacy. And I I like that that paraphrase into me see, uh, into me see uh, intimacy, to be known fully and to be given the opportunity to fully know somebody. That that we are wired for that, and it does not demand or require sexuality. And that's a really really important. If you talk about waiting. That's a really, really important. I love the way that you said said that. That say it again. In, in, intimacy without sex is is a good thing. Sex without right, intimacy, intimacy is always right. intimacy is beautiful. Intimacy without sex can be beautiful. Sex without intimacy is not beautiful. Now the two together can also be beautiful, but it's intimacy that makes it beautiful. You can find intimacy among you know the body of Christ in other ways. And I think what would be a really smart thing to do is to just have a support group. And it's an intimate group where you can be really honest. You share your secrets, you share your struggles, but you also support each other and encourage each other, uh, show grace to each other. To have a group that that is united in the in that way, like understands that struggle and be like, I mean, I, I get it, right? Um, Conquerors through Christ started our, our first support group this year, and you know, I, I really started it feeling like this is going to benefit other people, and I, you know, I've just been wowed by by how meaningful it is. Yeah, uh, it's, it's seven guys who you know once a month just meet and talk about, you know, their month in a really honest way. And then in the meantime, there's a, a chat, a text chat that we can say, Hey, I'm struggling. Um, and then respond and, and be brother. So like to find that kind of int- intimacy now would be really help- and helpful. And, and the Christian church is not, I mean, we haven't been great at that. Um, we, particularly if the conversation is taboo, then like you're struggling with it on your own. Uh, let's stop that. Let's let's find even intimacy, not sexual, but intimacy in the pursuit of godliness through the struggle, and let's do that together as the body of Christ, better together. Mm. Um, <laughs> and you know, like I would tell you know, so so often, like sexuality, like I've got sexual desires, but it doesn't just need to be like you know, I'm single, but like if it's if it's uh, other sexual sins, homosexuality, um, other other sexual desires, where like. As a Christian, we are all called to deny things that we very strongly desire. And it doesn't always make sense to us why we can't pursue those things, right? But Jesus is worth it, right? That Jesus is more valuable. Um, and and so there's that, right? Like there's also that intimacy to like really find and trust this, this intimacy with God, intimacy with the Savior. Like I said, like you can thrive without sex. Jesus did. Um, but you cannot thrive without intimacy. And for for people struggling with that. Like, what does that mean for me? How do I apply that to my life? Just continually repeating Jesus is worth it. Um, and even if in this struggle, I feel like I can identify and understand Jesus better. Like that's a beautiful, good thing that that is worth it. Um, so much of this though is, is made difficult by purity culture that has uh, idolized marriage and therefore sex um, that, you know, in this, 
kind of communicating uh, that like singleness is all about just you like you buckle up and and beat it right that that like just like if 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 you don't just have win. a family you, just you gotta win there, right yeah, yeah. Um, that it's a, you know that singleness is about being alone um, it's and it's a drudgery and like, no singleness is not about being alone there's an element to singleness where there are often times where you are alone, but that's not what it's all about. Um, and so that's, that's the lie that you would just bear down and you try to get through it. Um, and you no, know, you can flourish in it. You can flourish in it in an intimate way as a body of Christ. Um, and, you know, yeah, I, I've recognized that we, like I already said, we need more content on that. Um, and for a while, like I thought, like, you know, I'm not single. I'm not the, I'm not the, I'm not the one to do it, but you know, what? I did like, I'm, I've still spent the majority of my life as a single person right? Yeah, right, <laughs> to right. this point. Um, so, yeah, I think I can, can contribute to that conversation. Um, you know, there's, and there's something to be said for that too, that, uh, you know, a lot of what you're talking about, I really appreciate because, you know, people are, I'm running into more and more young adults, um, men and, and women who have never been on a date and they are in their mid twenties. You know, and I, I, I was trying to remember the passage, you know, uh, that talks about don't don't awaken desire before it's time. I think that this song of songs is that the author writes it three times. Don't don't awaken it before it's time. And so it's OK yeah. to wait. But we are seeing that people are getting married later in life. But it's interesting that at least with the, the young Christian adults that I talk with, it, it's just interesting that many of them are having their first dates in college. And what does that mean for, um, I mean, that's very, that's very different than the, you know, fifth and sixth grade and well, we're dating, you know, are you really? Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, another biblical concept is like, do not burn with passion. Right. And so if that's something that is to be avoided, then, then you're going to act upon avoiding that when the passion is burning and that, you know, when is that is, am I in fifth grade finding myself with a, a, a burning passion to be sexually active? Like, well, hold on. Then, then the buckle up is wait till you can be married. Uh, if you're 25 and you're not burning with passion, like to God, be, God be praised, right? Like yeah. good for you. Uh, and, you know, a lot of times question, you know, conversations on like, on this are asking like, how far can I go? And it's still okay. Um, and like, that's never the question to ask. Right. Right. Like here's Jesus. How far can I go away and still be safe? Like this is never a wise question. How close can I get to Jesus? How close can I get to the ideal, um, that, that Jesus has set. And I, I, I think, I don't understand. I think it's silly um, to assume that the ideal that Jesus has set is family and marriage when Jesus didn't do that. Yeah. Uh, so, right. And, and, and yeah, for a long time, I mean, American Christianity has set marriage and family as the ideal, but that is even though longstanding, it's, it's an anemic uh, theology of singleness and an, and an idolatry of marriage. Um, so, to be in your twenties, thirties without a burning passion, thrive in that. Yeah, that absolutely, is a setting you can thrive in. Will there be some difficulties to it? Yes. Are there difficulties to marriage? Yes. Um, right. And like in a marriage that 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 isn't good, if divorce seems better, well, divorce is hard. Marriage is hard. Choose your hard. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> same, same thing with singleness. Um, yeah. So just to know, like, you know, if, if it's hard being single, like, okay, it's also hard being married. And recognize that you 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 can thrive being single. Um, yeah. What what to do instead? Um, instead of masturbation, 
right? I think it was kind of the question, right? What to do instead of pornography? Uh, find connection with real people, not fictional people on a screen. Um, you know, I, I know, I know pastors have said, you know, the Bible doesn't specifically talk about marriage. Um, I, I think it does, or it does, sorry, the Bible doesn't specifically talk about masturbation. I, I think it does. Uh, mm-hmm. The Sermon on the Mount, uh, where Jesus says, if, you're, if your eye causes you to sin, if you're, or stumble, if your right hand causes you to sin, that, that's in a section on, on adultery. Um, Jesus isn't talking about if your right hand causes you to punch something, if your right hand causes you to steal something. Oh, yeah. In, in, the, con- in the context of adultery, if your right hand causes you to sin, if your eye causes you to sin, which we, first he's talking lust, um, so you know, he says, cut it off. So if you're looking at like what to do instead, there's there's a hyperbolic thing you could do instead. Uh, cut it off. Right? So right. Uh, like or or are there other steps that we can take before we get to that extreme? And can I connect myself to a group of people who will be a good influence on me, who will understand me, who will show me grace, who will join me in the struggle because they're in this struggle, too. And we can find intimacy and flourish in singleness as the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh in a way that so many, so many married people are missing that intimacy, uh, yeah. that connection with the body of Christ. Um, so yeah, settings are different. Contexts are different. So yours is, is different from a lot of people's, uh, yours is hard. Theirs are hard. And, you know, again, like, expect that we're going to stumble and fall and show grace to the glory of God. Uh, and let's get good at that. Let, let, let that be our discipline, our practice. Yeah. Uh, this is, dude. This has been so good. Um, there, there are more questions that I want to ask, but I think we're kind of coming up on time, and I don't want to take too much more of your time. Um, so maybe if we get enough questions, hopefully this will spur on some additional questions, and we'll be able to get you get you in and get you back. But um, Brad, this has been very, very helpful, and I do appreciate the way that you. There's a number of things that you've said that are they're easy to remember. Um, I'm going to have to go back and I'm going to have to listen through so I can kind of write some of them down uh, because these are all very helpful. And for all of you who are listening, I, I just keep coming back to that thing that you said. I, what a great way to, to hit this, that you know we were made for intimacy and you can have intimacy without sex. And it's best to find it in, in, in the intimacy of Christ and his body, you know, so his people. Um, but you can't have... Um, what, how did you say you, intimacy uh, sex without intimacy is bad um and and that when those two are combined that's where it finds its beauty and where does it find its beauty it finds it in two committed jesus loving people <laughs> who um uh husband and wife are are married and, and expressing their love in that way to one another as the ideal human experience of it yeah. yeah, I don't consider myself an expert, but I'm willing to talk about it. And sometimes that's what's needed um, most. And that intimacy with Christ is not just a concept, right? Like, I just really pray that Christians find that as the reality. And I don't believe that it can be found without the involvement of other believers. I don't Amen. believe I agree. that you can have a meaningful relationship with God apart from a meaningful relationship with other believers. And a meaningful relationship with other believers will look like people who confess sins to each other, share their secrets, and show grace. Yep. Um, as we do that together, intimacy with Christ grows as well. Yeah, um, That's his body. So Amen. let's not minimize that. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, we're going to leave it here. Um, this has been a fantastic conversation as we talk uh, uh, about uh, the gift and the challenge of human sexuality and uh, in these different contexts that we've done it today. So, Brad, I just want to thank you for being with us uh, in your ministry. Keep doing what you're doing. Uh, you do a, a fantastic job of it. And thank you for being willing to be so open and just bring this conversation down to the level uh, that I think what we need to bring it so that people can get started on a better conversation on it. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for wanting to talk today. Yeah. All right. Thanks everybody for listening. Um, there may be some questions that come out of this for you. And if that is the case, um, uh, my contact information is in the show description. And so we would love to know, on this topic, what are some of the things that are on your mind that you would like to see us um, have a conversation about? We want to be able to to speak God's word and speak God's grace into it. And there's probably, uh, there's a lot of important conversations, but this one ranks right up there in terms of where can we bring the gospel back in and redeem the conversation around human sexuality. So thanks for listening to us. I'm Mike Westendorf. You are listening to Great Questions, Great Conversations, a podcast of St. Paul's and the bridge in Muskego, Wisconsin. We will see you guys again next time. 